Welcome to Open the Brain. I'd like to look over the individuals in three different types of environments. And these individuals, more specifically, are apes. Ones that have found some form of fame throughout their existence. We'll be looking at those in captivity with training and teaching throughout their life those in captivity without any form of teaching or training, and those living in their natural environment. I think there's a lot we can learn from looking at these different individuals and seeing where and what we can apply to our own lives and our own world around us. Let's start off with the first, Coco the Gorilla, born Hanabiko. She was born in San Francisco on July 4th, 1971. She would go on to learn a thousand words of guerrilla sign language and also learn to understand over 2,000 words of spoken English. She was estimated to have an IQ between 70 and 90, and experts including Mary Lee Jenswald claimed that Coco used language in the same way people do. When she was five years old, she was introduced to a three-year-old gorilla named Michael who was orphaned from Cameroon. He would go on to learn only 600 signs, but become a very, very respected artist. Unfortunately, not as respected as he should have been, as he was an ape, but nonetheless a respected artist. Coco as well enjoyed art, but only on a hobby level. She did, however, own pets, which was considered a very, very fascinating and interesting piece of information as it was believed that she could have at any point just become violent or confused or just angry and killed the animals but instead she decided that well that wasn't what she would do and for the rest of her 46 years she was always a respectful and kind individual who did everything they could to interact peacefully and happily with those around them Another ape who became quite famous, but not for the same reasons, and was as well in captivity, is um, Travis. Travis the Chimp was born on October 21st, 1995, and would go on to have a slightly, I would consider, slightly successful child acting career. He would appear on several television shows and commercials, including the old Pepsi one with he was the little chimp in the cage, the woman comes and hands him the bottle or whatever. He was on a couple of those little like morning daytime television shows where they have people come and embarrass themselves. And aside from his acting, he was also commonly seen at the family business, which was a tow truck company, where he would often be seen with police officers taking photos or just with, with anyone taking photos. But the police officer part is pretty important, I think, to, to add into this. Also, he had a neighbor who he'd wrestle with a lot. The, the neighbor even said that he listened better than his nephews, and I, I'd imagine so, because Travis was old enough that he'd probably be able to listen pretty well. But around the age of nine is when Travis's father, Jerome Harold, passed. And that would probably not have been easy on, on someone, especially at as young as nine. And at some point in time, his, his human sister had also passed. And he, to cope with this, I guess, at nine, he was given alcohol, he was given Xanax, other such things that why would you ever be giving that to, to anyone to cope with, with a death? Especially if they're 
young or in in his case you could almost say if they were mentally handicapped because he's a chimp he, he does not hold the the, the the understandings his brain cannot comprehend certain things needed he was a non-verbal individual who was stuck popping pills and drinking and as it would go on he'd get his computer and he'd have his tv to watch baseball but this really wasn't a way to live no one should live like that and especially not someone who was a chimp and so one day the pressure became too much and travis needed to get somewhere anywhere it would seem by the way he was reacting he had what we call a panic attack but in that situation since he was an animal it was called a he's a feral animal he's a beast but so what happened happened was he was trying to get his mother to bring him to go outside to get into the cars he could drive he had before drove he had proven that he could move a vehicle on his own and get it places but he with the keys would not do that he would just touch the cars i want to get in this drive me somewhere because he just he needed to get somewhere and he wasn't in a clear mindset he probably felt but what happened was they were trying to get him back inside she called her friend to come and bring him in. It's often reported that the friend must have had a haircut or was holding a toy that he particularly liked. But the thing is, is that the friend was representing oppression. She was representing, I'm going to move you inside. You are not going to leave. And yes, there might have been some kind of an aspect as well of don't touch my toy. But how many people haven't been mad before and seen their friend still holding their charger they lent them and saying, give me that fucking charger, that's mine, or something like that, or really mad and you, you throw the food someone gave you. You're not mad at food. You're not mad that they're holding food, but you are upset and in that moment you are reacting to something. So yes, maybe he might have been slightly upset about certain things, but we are discounting the fact that he had emotions, that he had understanding that he was afraid and upset and so we only look at it as he was this evil guy but so yes he he attacked he viciously attacked her that that is an honest thing he attacked her in the way that any chimp would attack any other chimp and that is viciously and well he attacked a human so of course it was twice as vicious because it's like if a dog attacks a cat you're expecting those claws when it's teeth coming at you you're surprised and so with a chimp, when you're expecting something to hit you in the stomach and it grabs at your eye, you are you are surprised, you are scared, and you are it is something no one should ever have to go through. But what happened in that moment was not a random act that would not have been seen. This is something that maybe you could even say was predestined or a self-fulfilled prophecy. This was something that was expected to happen, at least by anyone who would have looked in and said, hey, look how they're treating him, look how they're drugging him, look how young he is. And even if you don't look at him as an animal, if you get well enough to look at how it went, it was an attack that happened because of extreme anxiety, extreme fears. The last one is actually... A mother and two children, all chimps, who were part of um, Jane Goodall's research in the 1970s, early 1970s. I think also um, possibly the 60s as well, or I'm not sure she was researching them at that time, but they were, they were alive during that time. Um, Flo, who was the matriarch of um, F Family, which was what they were titled for um, um, Goodall's research, because I guess they all all the names started with F, or at least they're they're human given names. But um, Flo was born in nineteen nineteen and died in nineteen seventy two. 
Fabian and Figgin were her two children. Um, she she herself, besides being an alpha, um, not an alpha, she was a matriarch. Besides being the matriarch, I'm not sure if she had too much accomplishments besides um, just being a successful piece of research. Um, no offense to her, but her two children, um, Fabian and Figgin, were very much of interest and are why I'm bringing up the family themselves. Fabian was the oldest by about six years, and he actually surprisingly lost use of one arm during a polio epidemic during 1966, but despite this, he could, um, he could walk on two legs. He did these bipedal charging displays, which made him pretty popular. It's kind of like if you lived in, like, a big ol' frat house, and you're the guy who can go around, and you can, like, punch two times in a second, like Mike Tyson does, like that super fast type punching. Then you're like, oh, everyone's like, yeah, you're the, you're the alpha kind of guy. But he wasn't full alpha. Like there was, there was a guy who was ahead. Um, Humphrey was his name. But um, Fabian actually helped his little brother Figgin, um, take over and become the alpha male in 1972, which is pretty interesting. And sadly, Fabian took his life in 1975. It was a very, I don't know how they took it. I don't know how it's how it's interpreted as a chimp for someone to take their own life. But he took his life. And so from there on, Figgin was on his own. And I, I believe, um, no, he, I was going to say, I think their mother Flo was still alive. But no, by 1975, it was just Fabian and Figgin left. And um, 1979, Figgin lost his, um, his position as a... Um, the leader. But one thing that I think should be mentioned, as I describe this stuff, there is an order that, that goes on. There is a leader. There is politics of this. It's based on fighting and all that, which you might think, oh, well, what, what's based on fighting? I, I, I think most of the wars we have might be based on fighting, in a sense. So it is quite interesting to see the way in which these chimps and their tribe and their political goings and social goings, how they coexist. And um, I believe I might have forgotten to mention this at the start, but these chimps were at the Ngombe National Park near um, Lake Tanganyika, I believe it's called, Tanganyika in Tanzania, which is actually where the Hadza tribe is from, which if you listen to the sixth episode, you would know that it's... um, who they are and their story. If you haven't heard of them, they are a nomadic tribe of hunter-gatherers that you can hear a little bit more about on the sixth episode of my podcast. If you want to go back and check that out, you can. And so that's the end of this podcast for today. We went over the three different ways of life that some of these apes have had to live in our society, or I guess outside of our society as well, in both scientific labs and research areas and a household and outside of that inside of a national park which is pretty interesting because imagine being able to be out there all day in nature that's like with the Hadza tribe there I think they're probably in a national park as well since I would imagine they're in a protected land area so imagine that you're in somewhere that people can't just come and tear things down it's like a a piece of of history which is so sad to think that this earth is now no longer what it was it's just it's almost like we're we're covering 
all the all the freshness it's like there's seeds and we're putting like the tar over the over the dirt but i guess that's for another time so um thank you for listening this is open the brain thank you for listening you can find us on spotify anchor soundcloud youtube as well as instagram we'll be making two new episodes a week so stay tuned